Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome back to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm your host a little bit later this week, but still here, Dom Philp on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. Hey, we are normally coming to you free of charge every single week. It's normally on Friday, sometimes it's a bit later. Thank you for being so understanding this week. We are here eventually, and we are coming to you on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. Best way that you can support is to rate, review, subscribe. You could tweet it out if you're enjoying what we're doing here, or you could come and give us some love on our Twitter at W-S-B-F-U-N. Maybe you found us over there on Instagram. Maybe you're enjoying the lack of memes this week. Um, Maybe you could add this to your Instagram story or you could give me some feedback over there at Wrestling Should Be Fun or One Word on Instagram. You can hit us up on our website, wrestlingshouldbefun.com. And most importantly, don't forget, I've already said it, but rate, review, subscribe. Get amongst this podcast, and in return, we'll get amongst you. Hey, um, I'm going to pretty much get straight into this thing. It's uh, not much for me to say. Once again, I'm not on the feed. I'm just here doing the jobs on the ones and twos. So I'm going to hand it over to probably has hosted more episodes than I have now, uh, Matty Brummett. Let's get around him. Put this out before, so... All right, shit. Yeah, I'll I'll try that again, Ross, because you just started recording. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So we are. Oh fuck that. Right. Sorry, Dom. Third time lucky, mate. Welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. I think we've hit episode number twenty-eight. So we're we're proper vets now, aren't we? Um, the, and yeah, we've got a bit of a, a special episode today, as well as me, your de facto host uh, Matt Brummett because Dom's fucked off and doing something else probably trying to educate the children of the UK for or some other boring task um, I've got Ross the Boss Casey with me uh, there's rumours that uh, con man Matt Connolly might be doing a, a surprise money in the bank money in the bank money in the bank catching <laughs> like. money in the bank should be a, a new step but like with like doink on top of the uh, <laughs> the case um, and as well as Ross, we've got a special guest today. So Josh, I don't know if you would like to introduce yourself and your podcast. Um, so I'm Josh, um, huge wrestling fan. Been following the guys on Twitter for a while now. Um, really enjoy their own stuff. I've got my own wrestling blog and their, my own podcast, which is called, um, the blog's called nobodiesready.com, which is from uh, Oscar's catchphrase back when. Do you remember Oscar, guys? Do you remember her? <laughs> Remember her? She used to wrestle on WWE. Anyway, um, so yeah, I've got a blog where I just write various wrestling stuff, um, reviews of shows, um, top tens, all sorts of stuff just to keep me occupied. Um, and the same stuff with the podcast as well. Excellent. So um, let's kick off then. Rossi, have we got a, a call-up sh- sheet today? Are we going straight into what the nerds are watching? We do have a call-up sheet, and I think um, it'll be quite nice to have a call-up sheet, as we haven't had one for a while.
Vincent, Josh, and Melissa. Hopefully, hopefully, you know the um, the wheels on this one. Ross has some of our, our beloved Twitter followers drop in, <laughs> and we just have to make them up a gimmick based on very scant information. Excellent, excellent. Sounds like WWE. <laughs> <laughs> we put way more effort into this than the creative. <laughs> Okay, so we've actually had 20 entries, which I think is a, uh, an absolute high for us. So I'm not going to uh, pick out all 20. I'm, I'm going to try and find the yeah. best names. Um, well, I think, I, think we should, I think we should leave the other half till next week. Make sure everyone gets their day in the sun, surely. <laughs> we, we don't want to be building up like that. We, we can put them on um, WSBF Dark Elevation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first up, we've got Young Swag <laughs> from Massachusetts, USA. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's someone that needs to, to just be played straight into hit row, right? <laughs> I I like the idea of like a kind of a like a modern take on Steptoe and Son. So there's like old swag <laughs> who's kind of shown in the ropes, but there's a bit of there's a bit of natural tension between them. Is that Jack? Yeah, it's just Jack Swagger and Dutch Mantel. What was he called? Dutch Mantel's character with Swagger, Zeb Coulter. Was that his name? Zeb Coulter. Yeah, yeah. Well done, lads. (laughs) So my idea going on the hit row thing is, you know, like WLC. If we have like mini versions of each of the members of Hit Row. (laughs) Josh, please don't give Kevin Dunn that idea. He'll run with it. Next up, we've got um, from Lisbon PT, Leo Sanchez, MSC. Like, he, he's just trying to get the DMD gimmick, isn't he? With that. <laughs> Anything that <laughs> is able to, to be said in three syllables, that's a win in wrestling, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's nice in Lisbon. You can definitely you can definitely put on a show there. Get a hometown crowd. <laughs> um his um his profile says that he is a master of his own universe. He's also a master of science. <laughs> if if he's the master of his own universe, he's gotta have like a He-Man gimmick then, surely. <laughs> Absolutely tiny pants. Uh, next up let's go with just just the one single name of Sam but he's got the um, (laughs) but he's got the uh, the handle of 1080pp which is great I think so he's already had his main roster name shortened then (laughs) that saves time 1080pp means that you know he has to have the clearest Titantron, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's also, I mentioned that he's just from somewhere, which is, you know, slightly... That's bullshit. uh, It's parts unknown. What's he doing? Yeah, he's he's not with them. To say that um, he's like, just... like he's just yards from parts... (laughs) Just a small (laughs) jet from parts unknown. (laughs) Um, And then next up, we're going to go to New York... And it's grime time. I mean, that is that rice itself, grime, isn't it? And with a G. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's good to see that JTG's got a new gimmick. That's, <laughs> that's, that's impact zone grime time, isn't it? He's, 
he spent a few months in London and he's learnt grime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that one pretty much put, uh, books itself. Um, let's have a look at some more. Um, let's end it on Invalent, sorry, involuntary zeitgeist. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, if I'm thinking like Vince McMahon would think, like he's a scientist, isn't he? He's just a scientist. That's what he is. <laughs> By the way, involuntary zeitgeist is like that is like ready made for WWE. Do you know where like the creative team just like phone it in and throw like two words together that don't really make sense, like charismatic enigma or lunatic fringe. <laughs> Involuntary zeitgeist is, is, is the fits that trio. <laughs> like Mike Michael Cole just enthusiastically said, involuntary well, zeitgeist. It's like, this means fucking nothing. What are you on about? But yeah, it'll be on a t shirt, yeah. There's his logo. <laughs> well, there's the t shirt sorted. So already. <laughs> He's got his own logo. <laughs> no, right? Keen. So that's uh, the call-up sheet. We'll do the rest next week. And uh, thanks, everyone, for um, answering the uh, shout-out. Um, and we hope that everyone's dreams have come true. <laughs> right, guys, let's throw straight into what the nerds are watching. Insert I've jingle, Dom. I've been watching you a la 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 long a la 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 long 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 Come on! a la 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 long a la 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 long so yeah, I've th- there has been. Um, I guess I guess Biggie we slightly covered last week, but um, it seemed like it was a crazy, crazy week last week. This week we've got a lot of fun and G one fun as well to discuss. Uh, what do people want to kick off with, Ross? Is there anything uh, particular that you've been watching this week? So I've had a busy week hosting friends. Um, so I've actually only managed to get round to watching SmackDown since we last chatted. So I'm happy to chat SmackDown once you guys have done your G1 and AEW. And I'll just pitch in with like, what, like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's so that, exactly that. That kind of works well then, because the only show I watched this week has been Rampage. So that's perfect. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, Josh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick on you then. Rampage. How was it? Um, it was very much a bit like Dynamite in the sense that it was very much like a go-home show for the Grand Slam shows. Um, I saw someone describe it as skippable. I, w- I wouldn't say it was that. Um, I-, I thought it was a good show still. I thought the the Britt Baker-Ruby Soho segment was insane. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. phenomenal. Um, it was kind of nice to see Ruby actually be able to talk in a wrestling ring, which we're still not used to. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good show. It just it, it was very much like I said a setup show for um for next week or for this week I guess. Yeah, I, I think I think that's spot on really with my take. I thought that was easily the highlight segment, and I, what I really loved about that was um and in on the podcast we've chatted a bit about the issues with booking Britt Baker and getting people to <laughs> to be on board with um who she's against and and the crowd were really into ruby not that they didn't do the dmd thing and everything like that but like they, she you know they were fully behind her and i'm hoping yeah. that's going to be the case for uh for grand slam as well yeah i think with that um 
obviously that is a concern, but at the same time, when Brock Lesnar was on his insane heel run, when he was like universal champion for like over what a year or so, every week people would still do the the Paul Heyman thing. So, mm. I mean, yeah. I hope hopefully New York will be kind enough to Ruby. I don't think they'll boo her, but I still think um, I don't think they'll boo Brit either. So hopefully they uh, they play along. And are you? Um... I guess off the back of the the main event, are you buying into Miro Sammy? Is that a feud that you're keen on? Could does Sammy have a chance? Um, I just I, I really like. Well, I, I was really a big fan of Rusev, and I was really good. They never pulled the trigger on him. They had a number of chances too. Um, I described Miro as someone to someone as everything Rusev should have been and could have been. Um, and I kind of don't see Miro losing anytime soon to be honest I think much like with Walter in NXT UK for example I don't think you need to beat someone unless there's someone worthy of beating them so in terms of Sammy I think it's a good feud I don't think Sammy should win or, or will win to be honest but um, no I'm up for it I think Sammy will put up a hell of a fight and, and get beat and he'll be okay afterwards and Miro will go on and beat the next baby face up which yeah Miro beating people up happy days for me I'll watch that all day long <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I massively called it wrong on this podcast. I was adamant Eddie was going to get a remit, rematch um, at Grand Slam in, in New yeah. York and, uh, and then and win. But um, no, they've oh, not done that. that pay-per-view but... is shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Ross, Ross what, what do you think of Mary? What mood are you in at the moment? Are you in everything is rubbish? Or are you back to normal, Ross? No, no. I'm back to... I'm, I'm back to normal but I do feel that I had bad points on on all out but um um yeah I I think um from what I've heard from what you guys are saying that if that's the case with uh, the the uh, Sammy feud that's that's a brilliant feud isn't it um how we said yeah. about how yeah uh, what what really worked in that opening match between Kingston and Mira was the fact that it was very clear um heel face match um and the crowd really bought into it and Sammy G is much loved um, by the crowd, so they'll get massively um, into the match on on Sammy's side. Um, I just wonder if it's going to be another bullshit finish, though, or if Miro will get the clean win. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not sure actually. Sammy's in, in a weird spot. Um, uh, one of the w, WSBF crew member Shafi is is adamant, and I agree with him that the that one of the core feuds that AW have isn't isn't Jericho MJF, it's Sammy, Sammy MJF. And MJF yeah. is obviously incredibly protected. Um, I, know, I know obviously you lost the last big match, but, you know, <laughs> that's after three wins against, well, yeah, one of the biggest names in, in the in wrestling history. So he, MJF is well protected. Sammy isn't as protected, but I think, I, I think if Miro does beat Sammy clean, I think you'll know that the Sammy MJF feeds on the, the cooler for a lot more. If it's not and Sammy comes out looking protected, then maybe it does point that Sammy MGF is going to be happening in the next six six to nine months or so because that's uh yeah, I, I think I think I think when they're building up to that because it's gonna be a, a marquee a marquee feud for them. I think Sammy will be protected going into it. So yeah, that it may point to that the result of that match or feud. Um, and and I guess I, I guess off the back of that as well, it's quite interesting that 
even though it took up a lot of TV time, uh, Pinnacle and Inner Circle, are, are they really factions anymore now? Or is that, are we just forgetting <laughs> about them? Is that over? Like, n- not just as a feud, but those two as factions. Like, yeah. FTR seem to be doing their, their own thing. Hager and Jericho do their own thing. MJF's doing his own thing. Sammy's doing his own thing. All the factions, like, like people in that are just split off for both of them. So I think one of the differences that I've noticed with AEW um, compared to a certain other company is, A, they don't tend to do that many rematches. Like, obviously, we all presumed it'd be um, Miro and Eddie again, but instead they've mm. gone elsewhere. And like, yeah, yeah, they left it like not completely finished, but they can go back to that. And at the same time, another thing I've noticed is there's no, like we've got so many matches that could happen at the minute in AEW. And so this can go there and they could face this person, but there doesn't seem to be any rush to do ev- everything. Um, whereas at the minute, obviously elsewhere, there's a certain tribal chief who's got like four or five different feuds going on, it seems at the minute, like all at the same time, you need to do them all now. Um, whereas in AEW, it's a lot more patient and a lot more, planned out and I think the fans are willing to go along with it um, just because they know they're going to get everything they want eventually um, it's just a matter of when and you know when's the right time to do certain things which I think AEW have a, a pretty decent track record of doing certain things at all the right times and, and, and I think actually and, and that connected to the I guess the pinnacle in a circle is now it, it doesn't really add anything as a value those stables being active and just keeping them as dormant i'm sure when yeah mbf needs a posse they can re-put it together but yeah yeah i think i think that makes sense um be, um before we run into talk about the tribal chief i'm sure that ross will be about to speak uh, speak about him soon uh, i'll touch on g1 briefly if you want before running into that uh, ross i don't know if you guys have caught any of it i was i've i've kept up with results i've not managed to see anything um i've heard the good things about the main matches but not really seen anything myself yeah, well, I, I was a real naysayer kind of going into this, um, and I, you know, and I've been a, a New Japan fanboy for for a while. But it's as I've been moaning about on this podcast, I think it's it, it feels on a, a, a well, it's been a down the spiral for a while, um, and the lineup of G One didn't excite me particularly. However, um, Night One, I thought had a so a block A, I thought had a couple of back to back bangers. Um, Ishii, Shingo, no surprise as the main was, was great but um, my, my favourite match was actually uh, Naito uh, Zack Sabre Jr. I think I mean I, I'm, a, I'm a massive Zack fanboy anyway so it's, it's no surprise that I loved it but I think that those guys have got such great chemistry. I think my only issue is both matches went quite long which is the criticism yeah. of just New Japan in general right um, but the, um, the issue is I think there is like I think having two matches both go like late twenties back to back, it I don't know didn't work. But the actual the matches themselves stand alone, both worth checking out. And Block B, which I've got very very little interest in, the lineup there. The one match that that it did kind of stand out was um, Akada Tana, you know, <laughs> and you know to Obviously. no surprise <laughs> they had a they had a they had a cracking match. Not not one of their best but still a, a very very enjoyable match and again like all their matches a re- really good finishing stretch final couple of minutes so that, they're also again cold take but but worth they're worth taking a look at Matt is Shingo the best wrestler in the world at the minute? Um, yeah, I think I think if you look at his average match quality I think you probably have to say yes I think yeah. um, 
Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Basically, every time he turns up, he puts in a bang. And I've been actually saying that I think his his matches have probably been slightly overrated if you look at general like cage match ratings or even like uh, Observer, even though that's only one person. They seem to every time he gets in the ring, people are just like saying that it's match of the year contenders. I won't go that far, but even with me being a little bit of a spoil sport, yeah, I I think it is him, to be honest. That's an interesting one. Quickly, before we move on, is is there anyone else that you guys see? Um, Is the the tribal chief, is he the other, is he he, he the other, the one that people are talking about? And is that, is that a a professional segue? (laughs) Neither of them finished top of the uh, PWI list, did they? Just with my uh, company hat on. <laughs> who, um, who, who was it? Was it Kenny? Yeah. I said to a friend beforehand, I thought it was a two-horse race between Roman and Kenny. Um, I don't know which one I would have picked personally, but they picked Kenny. I guess it's just one set of people's opinion at the end of the day. But much like with Meltzer, I think everyone gets their knickers in a twist about it. Um, but yeah, they went with Kenny. and I, don't, I, I wouldn't have argued with either of those two. Um, but yeah, that's what they went with. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think my but but PWI is kind of like semi kayfabe, isn't it? And I think probably from yeah. that point of view, it makes sense yeah. that Kenny's the uh, that Kenny is the guy. But um, I, from actual wrestling, wrestling um, in ring stuff, uh, I, I think it's it's Shingo, and that's no knock on Omega. I, I I actually would rather watch an Omega match than a Shingo match, just because I, I particularly like Kenny's style. But trying to be as objective as I humanly possible, we can, <laughs> it, it, which is really hard. But I'd, I'd probably go Shingo. Yeah. So, so Ross, do you want to make the case for the Tribal Chief and segue into SmackDown? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I would even particularly say that um, Roman is worthy of being better than Kenny this year. But um, I would certainly say that he's worthy of, of uh, being number two. Um, Maybe he's the best character in wrestling, if not the best wrestler. Yeah, I think that... What about Reginald? <laughs> Reginald's bloody great. What about Omos? <laughs> also great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, Roman has been excellent, and that's largely because it's pretty much been the only long-term storytelling that the WWE have done in many, many years, right? Like this story has been going since SummerSlam 2020 when he he returned and took out Braun for the title. Um, And it's lasted the pace in terms of it's not got boring. It hasn't, um, it's it's still got plenty of um, mileage, which is fantastic for us, us wrestling fans. And it carried on on SmackDown with um, the latest um, Tribal Chief stuff where um, Paul Heyman uh, basically claims that, that uh, now that um, he had no knowledge of the fact that Brock Lesnar was at SmackDown and there's the kind of the slight um, thought there that he's lying to, to, to Roman and Roman's got to kind of second guess himself whether to trust um, Paul Heyman or not ahead of the match, which I think has just been announced for Crown Jewel. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because it seems to be that <laughs> that's the pay-per-view that, that they seem to always uh, change title for the Universal Championship. It seems to always change hands at that pay-per-view. Please so. don't remind me, Ross, please. Don't <laughs> talk about that. Um, I know that Matt, well, um, that Conman, who's um, popped into the chat, will be keen that um, Roman keeps hold of it for his 
five picks of 2020. Um, uh, sorry, 2021. It's been a long year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, that was the main kind of like angle of the um, of the storyline. And then you had Biggie um, turn up on SmackDown, which was quite interesting because obviously he's the champion over on Raw now. Um, but with the um, but with the draft coming in just two weeks' time. I guess he's going to probably do double duty and it looks like Roman may, may be doing the same. I, I don't know if you guys saw, but they're hot shotting the uh, six man tag on Raw tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that they're just trying to spike a rating, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Um, they're trying to make the best TV shows. They haven't really built like anything for, um, um, for the six man, which is a bit of a shame, but it's pretty much readily made. And who knows, it might just be announced that it's going to happen, be the main event, and then be a schmoz. Um, who knows? Um, Ross, do you think there's a, do you think there's any chance that um, the reason why they're hot shotting it is because one of the two may not be champion in a in a in a couple of months, or do you think it is just what it says on the tip? Yeah, we um, we we spoke about this offline, didn't we? Um, and there is a chance that um, Crown Jewel happens in between and, and um, Roman loses the title. Um, but to me, I think it's just a ratings pop. Um, I must admit that I, that I didn't take any notice of if the ratings were better or worse because they announced um, Big E last Monday. I, I, I don't know if, if you guys noticed it online. I think I heard they were okay. Um... Yeah, I heard they were just okay. I, I heard also that they're expecting to take a, a bit of a battering this week, hence the booking of the six-man and a certain other wrestling event going on this week as well, which might have something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite interesting because um, I know that uh, friends of mine who are massive Big E fans were tuning in. Um, I, I know it doesn't really count for the UK, but I'm sure that there was people over in the States that did the, did the same. Um, and then match-wise, the first match was actually really good. Biggie and um, Finn Balor up against the Usos. That was that was a really great match, and the crowd were really into it. Um, and quite interesting, quite interestingly, um, for SmackDown, um, Matt uh, Brummett gave me the stat offline that uh, there's only been something like nine minutes of wrestling in the last six episodes for the female roster. Wow. The um and the match. I think it's two, Ross. Oh, really? Bloody hell! That's shocking, isn't it? Um, and it was literally like a like it was literally like a two minute match. Um, where where they pulled out the same angle that they did on NXT with Mandy Rose, where they where the match was uh, was completed by a count out after getting hit in the face and um taking the count out loss. Um, they did that finish with Carmella, leading up to a Liv, a Liv Morgan Carmella match at the pay per view. Um, so yeah, once again, Tony Storm was in a match, thrown into a tag team, so that people don't really know who, know who she is or care about her. <laughs> Tony uh, Storm, I remember her, which is a massive shame, um, as we've spoken about in the past with Ruby Riot. Like throughout her whole pretty much run in the WWE, she was never stand out because she was always in a trio, never given mic time, never pushed beyond a mid card. And currently, that's pretty much what they're giving Tony Storm and expecting people to cheer for her. And, unless you followed her previous stuff and you, at the moment you're not re re really being given any reason to care. Um, but on the plus side, 
the one feud that they are pushing on the female side, whilst they're not wrestling, um, Bianca and Becky are doing a great job. I know that we spoke about after the, the SummerSlam um, show that some people felt that Becky w- wouldn't get booed no matter what. And it seems like she's done a great job of turning the crowd um, and it's making Bianca a bigger star, in my opinion. And, and, and so we have a con man, you've done a surprise running? Yeah, I've, uh, I've finished what I was doing, basically. So I'm coming and I've, I've caught the end of the G1 chat. I presume you did AEW at the top. So, I, re- uh, I really wish that was how most wrestling run-ins happen. That the reason why they <laughs> kick off on the start is like, oh, I've just got a bit of admin that I need to clear up and then I'll run in. <laughs> We've got um, six minutes of this one left. Um, Matt, did you have any takes on Dynamite? We didn't just chat. Dynamite. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't see Dynamite this week. All I saw was the G1 and Dark Side, I'm afraid. So, Oh, so we do a quick Dark Side chat then? Do we have to? <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. What were your thoughts? Oh, just, it was one of them where you just, you think, uh, God, wrestling's bad, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it, it just sort of brings you down, but at least the reaction generally is sort of condemning of, you know, some of the uh, opinions raised, you know, that's the positive. I know there's always people out there that will defend some of the, things said by Dreamer and some of the actions of Flair and stuff. But yeah, I suppose these are stories that do have to be told and I don't think they're going to get any better with this week's episode about Canyon. And obviously I think it's going to open the floodgates for other stories. I saw today something about Rene Dupree coming forward about bullying he suffered when he was there and things. So Yeah, saw that. yeah so yeah. as much as I don't want to crap all over one of my all-time favourite wrestlers, um, yeah, the story I read was that The Undertaker apparently bullied him because Rene Dupree didn't want to go out drinking with the guys. That was the story I think I read. Um, but yeah, um, like you said, Matt, I think uh, it was uncomfortable watching, but like you said, I think it's good that these stories are being told now. Um, you know, you, for so long, obviously these stories weren't told and I think it says everything about, in a good way, I think it says a lot that the reaction was so you know, major to it um, and that these things are now being exposed rather than being hush-hushed as they were many years ago. The one thing that, that, that I found super interesting was the fact that all those people that were there, bar RVD, I would say, were all people that kind of went on that talking heads thinking like, yeah, let's, let's kind of reminisce in a romantic way about that plane ride from hell almost or at least someone like JR just kind of say yeah it happened but there was nothing that I could do to stop it when clearly that like clearly there was like how they challenged him a little bit on the reason why Ric Flair wasn't reprimanded seconds later of him saying you know yeah. I fired gold dust because people have to be held up held for their actions and then they asked him about Rick and, and then he kind of went a bit white and was like good question like clearly enough wasn't done to stop that kind of toxic environment that was there at the time did you read that, Ross, or did you read more that that was JR saying Rick should have been fired, but people above him kiboshed it? It was, it, in defence of Ross, it was kind of the vibe I got as well. It was basically, okay. the vibe I got watching it was that, because he was Ric Flair, basically. I don't know what yeah. you guys thought, but that was the vibe I got. 
Um, yeah, yeah, but but my point was was JR insinuating that he would have fired Flair, but above him stopped, stopped it was, Flair being it was, fired. Yeah, I mean, he kind of literally said exactly what Ross said. He kind of gave a look to the camera and said, good question, um, which kind of left it open-ended. And I got the same conclusion from it that Ross did in the sense that if it was anyone else but Ric Flair and the star that he is, maybe things would have been different. I just was coming at it from the angle that he's in charge of talent relations. He's like, he could, like he could do a lot more in that, in that environment, I think to have stopped that sort of stuff. Whereas he like had that kind of thing where he was like, it shouldn't be my job to stop these guys doing what they're doing. And the same where Terry Reynolds made the claim about Brock Lesnar. And he was like, well, I wasn't told about it. Yeah. And if, if everyone made those complaints, then et cetera, et cetera. Like it was very much like just pass it off. And that kind of whole thing of don't sell it seemed to be, let's just throw it under the carpet, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. As always, I've got absolutely no idea what the boys are going to talk about because this is the first time I've listened to it as well. What horrible work from your regular host. But regardless, this is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Right, so I think we have got uh, a few roundtables today, but I think let's kick off with our guest, Josh. What so, would you like to discuss? So mine's a bit of a general one. Um, I'm intrigued by your guys' thoughts on it, though. So for those of you who heard my round on Shop Mastermind, will know that my, I guess, former favourite WWE superstar was Bray Wyatt. Um, and obviously his non-compete clause is up in, I think, a month or so. Um, so basically my round table is where do you guys think is next for him? Um, obviously there's been talk of him going to AEW or him going to impact. Um, I personally, as a fan of his prefer or would prefer him going to impact. Basically, I think they kind of do the, the magic kind of different stuff. Uh, well, not better than AEW, but they do it basically. They've done it with like Sue Young with Rosemary in the past. Um, I think if he goes to impact, there's more chance of him being like a, a top guy over there. Um, and I just think it, it, you know, it would work better for him. Um, so intrigued by your guys' thoughts as to where, I guess, the former Bray Wyatt will end up next. Tom, man, do you want to, do you want to kick off this one from the WSBS side? Well, I can, but uh, I've not got anything exciting to add to that because I'll probably agree. I think Impact would be a good little place for him to go and try out some stuff with a smaller audience, which is, you know, AW feels like, that dark order stuff is always going to draw him in. So it's kind of sink or swim if he goes there and that's got to fly or he ends up in a Matt Hardy position, which ironically is probably the position he needs to be in impact where he's just given freedom to go and yeah. be a nutter and do whatever yeah. the hell he wants. And, you know, uh, let loose whether, whether he reunites with Braun over an impact or not. I don't know whether that's something they'll go with. I know they've been teasing Braun a lot or Titan as I think he's going to be calling himself. Um, but yeah, that's why I would say the same. I'd say go Impact and then AEW's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. That that avenue's down the line and he can be a hotter pro- prospect or product when he goes there. Yeah, I think um, that you're pretty much spot on there with the fact that Impact have been the company that seemed to have been way more successful 
at doing the kind of um, the, the well-shot matches that are pre-taped and all that sort of thing. Um, Bray Wyatt is someone who differs opinion, I think, sometimes in terms of match ratings and things like that. Um, off the top of my head, the matches that he had that were great were the ones where he was up against the best wrestlers. And uh, I think my favourite of his matches are probably the Royal Rumble match against Daniel Bryan. Um, yeah. And I don't know how much that's just because it's Daniel Bryan. <laughs> um, but he can wrestle. And if you put him in impact, he can do all the magical stuff. And that's great for him. Um, in terms of who he would be, who he'd be up against, maybe... Uh, something fun would be like him up, him up against um, Sammy in the kind of um, Sammy does the whole hacking stuff and Bray doing his stuff. It could be pretty wacky and fun. Um, but in terms of potential going over to AEW, I think I would love to see it booked as um, Hangman finally getting his win with Dark Order, um, like celebrating around him, and then the the like let them have that moment so it's not ruined. Um, and then maybe the, the, the like the following dynamite, Bray appears, and and is that for, like force of evil that turns dark, the, the the dark order back to the dark side, and then you get Bray against Hangman. Um, I think that would be a pretty cool uh, storyline. Um, but like you say, it doesn't need to happen straight away. Although I do know that apparently the day that he's like able to be on TV is Halloween, right? Is that right? Yeah, I think it's the October 29th Dynamite or something right. like that. I, right, I read okay. somewhere it was October 29th, so yeah. Yeah, so, so like, as it's not on the exact day, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be... I think if it was Vince Russo and it's the 90s, he'd definitely be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a Halloween-themed street fight. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, um, Bray Wyatt seems to be an amazing mind as well, so who's to say that, that, that like, they don't... Um, just have him as like a backstage guy for a bit anyway, you know, just use his mind. Could, could like be join the accounts team or something like that. <laughs> Marketing. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I, I echoed your guys' thoughts. Uh, my also reason, and this, is, this isn't dissing um, Bray, um, but yeah, I just think there's too much going on in AEW at the moment. I think I don't want, uh, it just, yeah, let him and Braun go do their thing elsewhere, I think makes sense for me. I think there's, yeah, just so much excitement going on in AW. Like, I just think focus on the, all the fun stuff that's happening now, and but and not, um, yeah, and maybe, and, and maybe let let that one slide from an AW point of view. If you if Bray did turn up, I, I think I'd like to see again, for for exactly the same reasons you guys have all touched on, because they're not really a place to do magicy stuff like that. Um, is I mean, my favourite iteration of Bray was back in FCW. I know that really sounds like the awful, like, uh, oh yeah, that that really popular band's best album is the one that they like did in their own garage <laughs> that you've never heard of and is only released in Japan. Like, but generally, uh, that was when I was I was covering FCW loads. Was was uh, right doing the coverage for PW Torch back then, and then um, and that was I was just in love with Bray in FCW from day one when he turned up doing his whole, um, oh God, what's the, uh, what's the De Niro? The Mercy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the, but the De Niro, the, the, oh, the Kate Fear thing. Yeah. Kate Fear thing. And I was just like, this is fucking the hottest thing I've ever seen. Um, and I'd, yeah. So I think doing that where it's like a very like, um, sinister bloke, 
but still operating within um, conventional understanding around uh, around physics is probably is probably where I'd like to see, to see that. But yeah, I'm, for me, just just for for a change saturation point of view, as a project manager would say, I would prefer not to see him in AW. Pretty much a clean sweep for Impact. Yeah. Which is great, right? That's, that's a good thing for Impact. Like, I don't think we'd have said that a few years ago. We'd have, we'd have gone anywhere but Impact. So it's great they've managed to turn their reputation see, around. Yeah, see, me as a, as a Bray Wyatt fan, like, the fact, like you said, the fact that I am proposing for my guy to go to Impact, I think says a lot about them. The fact that yeah. I, I just think that's the best place for him. And, and you mentioned Titan. Would would you guys like to see Eric Redbeard as he's known now? And more importantly, maybe his uh, younger brother rock up, rock up with him. That would be something. That would be something. More but big boys. Right. I, I see him in one of the waves of release. He didn't. He hasn't managed to 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 dodge that. He must have been released at some point, right, Bo? I think Bo's gone, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Bo's gone. He's yeah. starting a cooking channel on YouTube. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, I saw that the other day. It's like a his his little picture. He looked like the naked chef or something because I think he was topless as well, which was great. I might have that bit wrong. I might have just imagined him in his trunks. And but yeah, he's got a little cooking channel on the way, so you can check that out. Yeah, I, I, I'm expecting on what the nerds are watching. I want a weekly review of that combat. <laughs> he made an absolutely killer souffle this week. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, well, it'll all just be big lumps of meat, won't it? Here's how you cook another lump of meat. Um, and then, well, yes. Yeah, so, so um, moving on to the next uh, roundtable segment. Segment. I think. Uh, I think it's you, Ross, isn't it? The this one. Yeah. So uh, this week, um, under the cosh, released their uh, latest podcast. <laughs> um, David Weeter was on, and it turns out he's a big Graps fan, um, which was a massive surprise to me. I sat down, not expecting to. Um, think or talk about wrestling for an hour watching um the latest one and it, then it turns out that he plays with wrestling figures and to the extent <laughs> where he downloads the latest videos to have the entrances and blue tacks the title to, to his <laughs> to his roof and plays other <laughs> matches um so yeah I, I was just um thinking of a round table of the weird places that wrestling has cropped up when you didn't expect them to um so obviously that's uh, that's an example, and also shout out to David Weeter who follow who, who gave us a follow uh, this week on Twitter. Um, oh, uh, on, Carl. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, it was that one, and then also my other one to, to like throw into the uh, mix would be um, the show on Channel Four that I used to love called Faking It, and then it did a whole episode on wrestling, which was amazing. Um, I don't know if you used to watch Faking It, but it was like. They would get someone to, to like learn a like like learn a skill in like in like a month, um, and then four experts would watch them do it alongside four other people, and then they had to try and like fool the experts that they weren't um, the like novice. So they got someone who had no previous experience of wrestling during the kind of two thousand and two era WWE uh, um, Brit Rest. Um, so it was really, really interesting um, and something that I wasn't expecting at all. I was just expecting another one of them learning how to paint or something. <laughs> um, so the only one that springs to mind for me is kind of like, because I have a few people from my work on uh, on Facebook and obviously they know that I'm a, a big wrestling fan and every now and then 
a few of them will mention stuff about wrestling, but it's it's really weird because they're only like casual fans. They'll only mention like really random casual stuff like, oh yeah, I remember watching Rey Mysterio in like 2003 or I remember watching this match here. And I guess I have that. Um, I guess another one would be, I tend to see people wear like random wrestling shirts just in like town centre and stuff. I remember a few years back seeing this woman, with all due respect to her, she must have been in her 50s wearing uh, a Bullet Club shirt, which I just thought was the most random thing <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, I wasn't brave enough to do the Too Sweet to her or anything like that. Um, <laughs> those guys really sold those shirts, eh? Yeah, they, <laughs> they busted those demographics. <laughs> but, but Josh, actually, my, mine was, was going to be very similar to yours, that... Um, I, and I, it's something I find so jarring because I'm like, I'm, well, it's probably quite clear that I like wrestling. I'm, I'm on this podcast, but <laughs> it's always been a very ring fenced world to me. And actually, um, well, I, I mentioned before to you lads, and I probably got drunk and emotional with you a bunch of times on this when watching shows. But I, I literally, apart from a couple of ex- exceptions. I just kind of watched wrestling on my own. It was very ring fenced, um, and I didn't really let anyone know about it because. I just didn't think it was cool. I not, not honestly thought myself was. But um, but then when you see something that you like wrestling interrupts your other world and through the front yeah. of people, you find it so jarring. And again, like it was when I was playing football at uni and like the next crop of lads came up and like one of the lads was just there in like an Eddie Guerrero t-shirt and it was just like, <laughs> what the space? And obviously we subsequently became very quick wrestling friends but um yeah things like oh there's a guy on like not my current street but the street separately to it who has like a massive what just I, I, I need to speak to him at some point he's probably in his like 50s but he has a massive bright orange john cena t-shirt <laughs> and, I <just> like, <laughs> and i only ever seen wearing that it's like are you a wrestling fan or are you just a john cena fan <laughs> i want to I want to find out, but yeah, it's really interesting. I find it very jarring when I see it outside of my, like, well, in my normal life, if there is such a thing. <laughs> so, something I've just thought of. Um, I've had a couple of people come up to me recently and ask me about CM Punk. Have any of you guys had anything from people asking about him since he's come back? Because I had a couple of people go, "Is what's this company CM Punk's joining?" and questions like that. So. Josh, I, I, really hope that, I really hope that that's just like when you're not wearing any wrestling merch and just people in the street like it's a real book <laughs> have you heard anything about this CM Punk uh, well, yeah. <laughs> just, just like the bus driver I'm pretty sure when we did our CM Punk episode Don was saying that that happened to him a, a, a few times right yeah yeah how about you Matt um, well firstly that I agree with you, Ross. The Wheater episode of Under the Kosh was, was incredible. To hear him talking so passionately about his wrestling figure collection, I think he expected a bit more kickback and a bit more stick because he was very defensive about it. He's going, no, John, John Parkin was up for it, yeah. Yeah, they were backing it. They were, you know, I mean, they, were, they just kept saying Stone Cold a lot, but like they, they, you know, they were positive about it. I think he usually gets a bit more stick than he was getting there. podcast um, hosted by John Parkin that I don't know about. Oh, this, this podcast, if you're a football fan... Yeah, Go great. out of your way to listen to it. It's tremendous. Um, and Ross, I was as shocked as you were when David Wheater, the former Bolton and Middlesbrough and Oldham centre-back, started talking about him playing with his wrestling figures. <laughs> I, well, actually, if we want to have more football podcast wrestling crossovers, I've got another one. I listened to um, another great football podcast. Um, the uh, What's it called? The 90s one, Matt. 
quickly uh, Kevin. Yeah, quickly Kevin. And on one of the episodes, they were talking about SummerSlam there, like SummerSlam 92, the big one. And it was, I got really pissed off and I didn't really listen to it because the guy who was supposed to be defending wrestling didn't really do the job. And like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, wow. and I really like the show usually, but like, and then they all just started slagging off wrestling. I was like, oh, well, this is not what I, what, what I hoped from oh. this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, with, I'm with you on that problem. Yeah, that, and then I've, and then I've now gone back to saying I think I was ready. Maybe maybe for like my 40th birthday in four years, I might come out as a as a wrestling fan. Um, but now I'm going to push it back to 50 on the basis of that podcast. <laughs> I have a weird one that I think I've told you before in a group chat. But um, I was once went to my local Tesco, which was 24 hour um, pre COVID, and uh, I was. I probably had a few shandies and I was feeling I was just going to get some snacks in the night. And there was a guy working in Tesco with a bad luck Farley top on. <laughs> wow, is that is niche. Absolutely niche, isn't it? So I got chatting to him. Um, bit of a strange lad, but uh, he loved his Japanese wrestling. And he goes to uh, a lot of the shows at uh, York Hall when the Japanese lads are over. Uh, so I added him up on Facebook. He's got photos <laughs> with Evil. And he's got photos with Sonado. Oh, wow. Like all the, all the guys that RevPro brought over. And... Uh, his dad is also a wrestling fan and wears New Japan merch. I've seen him in McDonald's wearing New Japan merch. So there's two <laughs> New Japan fans knocking around wow. Wood that I uh, know to say hello to, but don't know them much better than that. But that's as weird as I've had it. Just two random lads around my way. I was just about to say that I'm, that I'm a big fan of Tesco letting um, uh, someone who works there to wear a bad luck Farley t-shirt. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're very distinct in their stuff. Usually that little blue number's out, isn't it? But no, he was just going yeah. with the Farley stuff. It's weird because traditionally Tesco's very much an old Japan outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot, there's a guy who wears a Kento Miyahara top as well. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, there's not. There's not. There's not. Of course there's not. In terms of uh, in terms of North London uh, towns with wrestling uh, wrestling bump intos, Matt, that is a terribly constructed sentence. But you know, it's not like you're not <laughs> media or anything. Um, I've twice I've booked in I've booked into Jody Fleisch outside Walthamstow train station. Amazing. What that is a real thing, and actually, that's with, with my wife. And I said, to her, Oh, excuse me, I need to speak to this man. And she's just a random man sat on a bench. It's just like, All right, yeah, no, I just need to say how incredible he is. Um, as a, as a former big one, uh, one PW fanboy, it was uh, yeah, great. And he was just such a lovely bloke. And and, and now, obviously, now that you see him like in his current progress run, he does interviews and he comes off like a, a lovely bloke. But in IRL, he is, um, he is, yeah, just an absolute cracker. So that's another one. But it's still very jarring. But like, oh, that's that's Jody Fleisch outside my, outside my tube stop. Did you spot him because he was still wearing that silver chain? He was running <laughs> up the side of the wall. Yeah. The, the tube staff were furious. I had to explain, no, he's, uh, he's just doing his... He's, just doing what he's trying to do his, his wall run moonsault. And then they understood. And then I just got chatting with him. Amazing. Um, so to wrap this one up, um, I've got a fun story of being at Ashton Gate around 2005 when Brit Rest was dead and uh, a local um, wrestling promotion that was um, that, that had their home of, um, of wrestling in Portishead, um, the town named after the great band. Um, and uh, Bristol City um, had their like halftime en- entertainment and it was basically them plugging their next show in Portishead. And the, um, 
and the and the main kind of champion came out. He was he, he was the babyface, so he was wearing a Bristol City shirt and like basically saying like, "Yeah, I've got this match against this this uh, dude. He's a right bastard, but don't worry, I'm going to get him. So get your tickets, five pound on the door." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then from nowhere, whilst he's doing this promo, a guy comes out like classic skinny, long hair, not like two thousand and five wrestler. Um, comes out in a Bristol Rover shirt and hits him with a and hits him with a steel chair, <laughs> and the crowd buy massively buy into it and they're like, "Boo!" <laughs> amazing, that's amazing. And then and then and then the babyface make um and then sorry the bit and then the heel does a like does like a heel promo does the whole like there's only one team in Bristol. <laughs> And I'll sell then, them tickets <laughs> and then the baby face comes back and beats him up and then it's yeah buy your tickets and I was just sat there watching I don't know Bristol City nil-nil against Northampton in League One in 2005 <laughs> and at half time probably moaning to my brother and my dad about the game and then suddenly I'm watching this, <laughs> this promo unfold at Ashton Gate which blew my mind and was just one of those moments like you say how your outside world meets your wrestling world and, and I was just like Bloody hell, but I didn't buy a ticket. <laughs> so as, as a bit of a segue, Ross, into the final round table, I don't know if uh, if that lad cutting the promo is going to make the list, but I'm interested in you guys. Who would you have as your, well, as your four pillars of Britress? So, and there's a bit of a, you can take it as you want. You can look at modern Brit Resh. You can look at who's had the most influence. You can look at just your personal favourites or four people over a different, uh, whatever, different periods. I'm just interested who you guys will go with as your four pillars of British wrestling. And I'm going to pick on Ross to kick off. Oof. Okay, so to me, Brit Ress, um to me, when I think of Brit Ress, I know that, there's been so many amazing people that have done amazing work to get it to the point that it got to in 2010 or whatever it was that the boom was maybe 20, maybe 2012. Um, so I'm going to go for the later ones. Um, I know obviously the likes of big daddy and giant haystacks warrant um, plenty of praise for the amount of people that they, that they got to watch the, to, to watch that show on, on ITV. Um, and then from a wrestling standpoint, you've got the likes of Tony St. Clair and, Rollable Rocco and all those great wrestlers. But to me, I'm going to go with kind of the Brit rest boom guys. And I make no apologies for the fact that, that some of these people are going to be people that we don't like in terms of their um, actions. But to me, it's got to be um, Osprey. It's got to be Havoc. Uh, it's got to be Zack Sabre Jr. And I think I'll throw in... Mm, probably Marty, and I know that that's like awkward to talk about, but just, but just in terms of people that had huge influence on the scene and making it go from small churches to what became pretty much the Progress Wembley, which is prob- probably the that I probably say that, that that's the pinnacle of Britress. The four people that managed to get it from where it was to to, to what it became, um, those four. And uh, interestingly, Ross, no Pete Dunn on that list. Oh yeah, Pete Dunn. Um, but yeah, for me, I just think um, those four, in terms of Brit rest, um, 
doing the like hard yards in Britain. I think Bait and Dunn, through, like through, like through the network, did their damage. If, if that makes sense. With yeah, the they're, they're great shout for us. I'm really glad that one of us kind of went through just a purely focus around that that period. Um, Josh, do you get any thoughts on this? Obviously, a Brit, I don't know how much you are a, a fan <laughs> of the actual wrestling this side of the pond. Can you say that? Yeah, I, I mean, if you're talking about British wrestling rather than British wrestlers, I kind of jotted a few names down and most of them Ross has already mentioned. I think regardless of what you think of him, I think you have to say that Will Ospreay is like the top one, given not only what he did in British wrestling, but also what he's done to promote British wrestling. And the fact that like, as the, well, the guy who never lost the top belt in New Japan is now backing, back in Britain wrestling. Um, I think that's a massive thing. I think you've obviously got to say Marty, even if you don't want to, I think you've, you've probably got to say Zack Sabre Jr. as well. I think he'd probably be my second behind Osprey if I'm having to rank them. Um, I had Pete written down as well, um, but I get Ross's point about maybe he's done his most notable work now in the WWE, you know, banner. I'm not saying he didn't do great work beforehand. I, it's funny. I actually went to a WCPW show and I think he was working the dark match. And then within, I think six months, he had that amazing run in the, um, UK tournament. Um, in terms of another name to add to the list, I, I don't know, I struggled to pick four, maybe because I've not watched as much British wrestling down the years as you guys. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with a selection of those sort of names. I don't know if I'm missing anyone out who's obvious. No, I think, again, I think it is out of that crew. I think, I think you do. Um, I think probably between you and Ross, you'd probably smash them. What about you, Conman? Have you got any other takes on that? And again, either current or historic or... Yeah, the question's kind of too big for me. Uh <laughs> It's, it's too hard. I could accept any answers. So I'm just going to pick four people that personify my British wrestling enjoyment. Um, so the first British wrestler I remember thinking, oh, I know them and they're British, was uh, William Regal. Watching him on, on WCW as a kid because I was a hipster kid who watched WCW, not WWF at first. <laughs> um, so liking Regal before I knew who the British Bulldog was and then British Bulldog turned up in jeans. So I'm going to go with Regal because I did see him first. And he then had that run in uh, sort of 2001 where he, you know, uh, had a great WWE run then as well. So that was the first time I remember thinking, oh, British guys are in this as well sometimes. So he would be on there. Um, the first time I went to an indie show, when I got past, you know, getting back into WWE, I could pick Barrett because he was around at the time, but didn't really connect with him as much. But I went to going to my first indie show in Stevenage and the opening match was Shane Strickland versus Pete Dunne. Now I didn't know who either of them were, which in hindsight is a, bloody good match in it it was good at the time I didn't know they were so Pete Dunn would have to be on it because he's the first British wrestler I saw in the flesh so to speak and he was great and I really liked him there and then I went to New Japan and Zack Sabre <laughs> Jr was bloody brilliant there wasn't he like uh, that New Japan Cup run especially probably the highlight of his run so far and just his style is so unique it feels very British as well so I'd have him on the list and then my final one would probably be one of the wrestlers that I've most connected with uh, because I love the way he adds performance into his wrestling. And you all know, I'm going to say, if you know me, it's Cara Noir. Just absolutely adore <laughs> the guy. Um, love watching him work. Watch it. I'd watch him wrestle a broom. I'm like in that category where I, it doesn't matter who he's wrestling anymore. I just love the guy. I love cheering for him. And so mine are selfish. They're not necessarily the four pillars, but they're my four pillars. 
whilst we're touching on it, can I just say that I actually went out of my way to watch the famous Big Daddy Giant Haystacks match. Um, it's it's something, that's for sure. If you like rest holds, it's it's the match for you. <laughs> Bond man loves rest holds. <laughs> <laughs> it's something. It's well worth the watch. Are the crowd into it there? The crowd are insanely into it. They're going absolutely mental for every spot, to be fair. That's just um, the sign of a great wrestler, right? Yeah, the crowd absolutely <laughs> love it. And it's the most basic wrestling that probably us four between us could each manage. Um, but yeah, the crowd go absolutely wild for the whole match. Well, well for my thought, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm, I may go back to a world of sport for, for, for one of the, well, for a couple of them, but I'm, I'm not going to, not going to necessarily go big daddy. I was uh, honorable mention. I was just cause I've seen a, a bit of his old Japan work and I know how much it kind of means for the wrestling business overall, but, um, I was, yeah, I was maybe thinking of Billy Robinson and throwing him in there, but I think I'll actually kick off with, um, uh, as uh, well, Ross dropped his name, but I think rollerball Rocco. <laughs> As my first name, purely for, I mean, what Brit Ress is now, I don't think would exist without Rocco because of the style that he essentially dragged over to Japan, which was a massive influence over on both the um, the New Japan and All Japan style, which eventually went on to influence Brit Ress. I think he's got to be there. He's just, he's magic as well. Uh, generally, there's an argument in terms of importance in wrestling history, top 10 alone, never mind. Never mind, just for a Brit. Um, I think it's a bit of a cliche choice, and I was kind of stepping around it. But I think you've kind of got to go regal. I think more because how a lot of the Brit rest crop like fell in love with him because he kind of did cross over with the. The, you know, the dying days of the world of sports style and then into the, not dying days of the world of sports style, he was, you know, he was peak, he used to tag with daddy and stuff like that as well as doing his his stuff, but as well as crossing over to the the American boom. And just because of, again, his his influence with all these guys and, and later, obviously, in, uh, tan, tangentially to NXT UK as well, I think he probably gets thrown in. Um, third, I'm going to go with a guy who is more famous for what he did in the US, but I actually think it was people like him that actually kept um, Brit Rest going during its, what people say is it's like it's dead days. I mean, um, like the kind of the, the pre-progress days as, as, as probably a lot of people see that. Um, I used to go watch him in 1PW and that's Nigel McGuinness. Because uh, I think, again, he's, he's so key. Um, and he was like one of the names on the card that you're like, oh, God, Nigel, I've seen him in, you know, Ring of Honor or whatever. But he's also, he's you know, he's here in, in the UK and, and making it important. And obviously his influence is, is, is gigantic. Um, not just people like Zach Gibson and stuff where it's very literal, clear, but I think throughout it, again, that uh, old school British style mixed with... Um, Japanese strong style and, and King's Road style, what makes Brit Rest as it is. He was a key part of that. And finally, for the fourth man, it's it's really difficult. You, you guys, the, the modern guy, you guys mentioned a lot of brilliant names. But I, I think I'm going to go with um, Pete Dunn. 
because of I think even though you know there's probably other bigger names from Progress, um, but I think his influence on the rest of the scene and what he did around these like attack and how he just seems to be like the beloved brother of every British wrestler in many ways, not literally just Damien Dunn, but <laughs> but actually um, everyone else he's just had such a positive influence on, and I think and. Um, and when it actually crossed to kind of get into the WWE banner, he was, wh- wh- whatever you think about that or not, I think he was, again, just such a big help to all those all those talents. I think even though Zack Sabre Jr. has made my favourite wrestler um, and, you know, and Will and Havoc and all these guys you can't overlook, I, I think Pete probably just edges it for me for the modern lads for that reason. I would have lost a lot of money because I would have had Zack would have been 100% on your list, Brum. Stunned. <laughs> He's my favourite, but I think there's a difference between being a favourite and a pillar. Like maybe, yeah. Like I love, I love Akiyama, but he's not one of the all, all Japan four pillars, is he? So um, it's it's how it goes. I was trying to be as objective as possible. <laughs> We're going to finish off the podcast with a session of Booker Bingo. B-I-N-G-O and Bingo was his name. Oh. This is Booker Bingo. With myself, Matt, and Josh. Josh, are you aware of what what Booker Bingo is? If you could just run me through it briefly, I would appreciate the refresher. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So basically, um, we've got a big old spreadsheet of about 600 wrestlers. And we've got a, a button that says, are you ready? And then we click it, and it gives us two wrestlers. And then we've got to book that feud. So you've so um, the whole feud. <laughs> so um, say for example, it's I don't know, Big Boss Man against Virgil. Then <laughs> then <laughs> um, just book the uh, feud in terms of uh, the storyline, how it starts, um, where it goes, and the big ending. Um, doesn't have to be anything more than one or two minutes. Some people like to to go long um, and make it a bit New Japan. Others like to go a bit superstars and make it a quick <laughs> um, squash match. But um, yeah, so just, just, it's just it's just a bit of fun. No pressure. Yeah. Um, just try and have as much fun with it as possible. So let's do the book of bingo. Um, okay, let's find out the match. Wow, this is going to be an interesting one, guys. <laughs> so we've got Hikuleo against Zaya Brookside. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have a quick go at it and just try and make it as simple as possible. Um, and it's just going to start off with um, Robbie Brookside goes on Twitter and he starts saying that um, that he was in, that he was once in a bar brawl in the Wirral and he beat up Meng <laughs> and it's unverified <laughs> because it was the like 90s <laughs> and it, word gets round to the Bullet Club and they find out and they're livid about it because they don't believe it and um, then it turns out that um, finally it comes round to the fact where Hikuleo is like do you know what AEW treated me like a jobber. New Japan are treating me like a jobber. I'm willing to rip up my contract, head down to England. <laughs> I'm joining NXT UK and I'm bringing my dad with me. And we get 
a first ever Wirral bar room brawl <laughs> on an episode of NXT UK where they reenact it and um, it's uh, Meng versus Robbie Brookside um, in a bar room brawl and Zara Brookside and Hikuleo are, are, are part of the match um, but they're not actually wrestling each other. They're just there to kind of be the um, be like the hype men and women for their fathers in this epic barroom brawl that, of course, ends after three seconds with a Tongan death grip. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. Good luck, guys. So, I, I, I do have an idea. Um, when I say it's far-fetched, I, I, I mean it's... You, you'll have to bear with it. Um, so, Hikaleo is on a, uh, a tour in the UK and he's, he's in his, one of those old dingy hotel rooms that only has a few channels. Um, and he comes across the popular British television program, Brookside. Um, and he hates it. Uh, he's on Twitter about it saying he hates Brookside. Uh, and Zaya Brookside responds saying that not all Brooksides are bad. Uh, Hikaleo thinks Brooks, Zaya Brookside is a legit member of the cast of Brookside. Um, and so he starts giving her a load of abuse and stuff uh, and it gets quite nasty um, and they decide that the only way they can settle it is in a uh, shoot fight, so to speak, or the closest thing they can get to. So uh, Josh Barnett sees this and he books them for the next Bloodsport show. And so it's Hikaleo versus Zaya Brookside. She gets a special dispensation from NXT UK, given the uh, importance of this blood feud. Uh, and so Zaya Brookside comes with her, accompanied to the ring with the cast of Brookside, the TV show. Uh, and... Yeah, we have a shoot slash not a shoot fight between Hikaleo and Zaya Brookside, which ends when Zaya Brookside gives him a rear naked choke when she jumps on his back and uh, takes him down. I love it because GCW are going down the route of, you know, trying to bring in more viewers with the stand-up guy. And now they're like, what next? Brookside, of course. I thought, yep. I thought, I thought you were going to say that a GCW are going down the route of bringing in Brookside members. I was thinking Jimmy Corky was getting the call. Brilliant. And last but not least, um, going third, Matt Connolly. Yeah, don't have, um, those are both bloody great. So uh, mine will hopefully match up somewhat. Um, mine is going to be in New Japan. I'm going to go for that angle. And uh, it's the G1 2022. The year has gone by. And uh, the G1 2021, this one, it hasn't gone down so well. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but in this future scenario, it hasn't gone down very well. They're going to have to spice it up. And the Gorillas of Destiny are like, they're being told, look, you both amassed zero points this year. <laughs> You're both out. But, but we are going to let you pick who replace you in this year's tournament. So uh, Tanga Loa is like, well, I'm going to pick our boy Hikaleu. That's an obvious one. And you think Tamatonga is going to be like, get bad luck Farley back in. But actually, they want to try and get Hikaleo all the way. So they're going to stack the deck in his favour. They just pick a random name out of a hat. They literally just pick Zy Brookside. Oh, how about Zy Brookside? We'll bring her in. And it, it causes chaos. The Twitter explodes. They're like excited because it's great that Zy Brookside, but like, this is unprecedented. Not since China has a woman entered against men in New Japan. And, and of all the women to pick, you know, and a somewhat unseasoned British competitor has entered the G1. So Hikaleo, with their help, goes on a tear in block A. He, he, he's, it's stacked. Like, he's beating people. He's got them in his corner. And then the other side of the draw, 
Zaya Brookside starts slow. She has a 28-minute defeat to Kazuchika Okada in the opener, uh, but, but takes him all the way. Uh, she follows that up with a 28-minute defeat to Tetsuya Naito, which, again, she's getting plaudits, but she's not getting points. <laughs> but it all turns when she gets Yano. Yano's more her level now, and she works out Yano. She tapes him to a, to a ring post. She gets in, and it starts some momentum. She manages to beat Ishii. She manages to beat Goto. She's gone on a run here. She, she amasses points. It all comes down to Brookside versus Evil in the final match to see who will face Hikaleo in the final. And she beats Evil. Shenanigans aside, she beats Dick Togo up on the outside and she gets to the final. And Hikaleo, he, he can't believe it. He thought he'd rather wrestle someone. You know, he, he's loving it because he's thinking, I can beat her. But she's on a bit of a tear here. So they go into the final. It goes 49 minutes. And in the end, Zaya Brookside wins. And New Japan is reinvented, but also a lot of fans are very sceptical about the new direction and the fact that Shingo will have to defend against Zaya Brookside at the Dome. Beautiful. And you're pushing New Japan into a fun new, a fun new direction. Big fan of that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> but keeping the traditions of long matches where I can. <laughs> I think she's capable of doing a 28-minute match. She's brilliant. It, I mean, I just I'd like have a 28-minute match of a card. Let's be fair. <laughs> I just like the fact that in Matt's world, um, women in New Japan have gone from only just being allowed on the pre-show to now main eventing the Tokyo Dome against <laughs> Chingo for the title. Yeah, and the stardom is still on the pre-show. <laughs> just to be just so, just the balance. You know, you can't can't give them too much. <laughs> Love it, guys. I don't think that we're going to do a kind of. Uh, who wins there? Because it's three people and there was no host. But um, maybe we'll throw it out to, to the Twitterverse and tag um, the, the uh, two contestants themselves. <laughs> Definitely. That was good. Both great ideas as well, lads. Cool, guys. Well, that's, that's the end of set. episode 28, I think. Um, and we'll be back next week, hopefully with a full, um, a full uh, lineup of Wrestling Shopping Fun members, where we'll be talking all things AEW, which of course is the fun. Um, um, is it Arthur Ash? Is that what it's called? Arthur Ash, yeah. Yeah, um, Stadium Show and um, NXT and Extreme Rules, I think is this Sunday, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to try and stay up for Raw tonight, Ross. Are you doing it? I may well do. I may well do, yeah. I'm going to give it an hour and see if it's boring. And if it's not, I'm going to try and plough through. (laughs) I'll see you there, mate. All right, guys. um, Thanks very much for joining. And we'll see you next week. All right, scholars, there we have it. Another one in the bank here. Wrestling Should Be Fine, episode 28. Thank you so much to all the boys on the show. Brummett, Connolly, Ross, and our very, very special guest, Josh. Fantastic stuff here, lads. Uh, That's about it for me. Until next week, you know where to hit us up on the socials. And most importantly, thank you to you, dear listener. Don't forget, drink lots of water. Look after your mates.